Welcome to the Light Shine Church Sermon Podcast. I'm organizing pastor Rob Douglas, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our weekly message. Well, this morning we're going to be talking about dried up brooks, salvation by raven, jars of oil that don't run out, meals made of sticks, and the revival of a dead boy. We'll look at three connected stories about a thirsty prophet named Elijah and a foreign widow, all with the hope of seeing God's unexpected and surprising provision even amidst fears and unknowns. When I read this story today, I was struck by the parallels to this very challenging year that we are all just trying to survive. More and more people that I'm talking to are summarizing 2020 by simply saying worst year ever, or I can't wait for 2020 to be over. Many of us can't, um, can hardly wait to get through this year fast enough. The prophet Elijah in the stories that we're going to look at was having a 2020-like year. <laughs> um, he was going through some really de- difficult things that just kept coming at him one after another. Difficult times we know come at a high cost for people. I started looking at some mental health statistics that were coming out of our time during this COVID pandemic. Here's just a few. 70% of Americans say that the economy is a significant source of stress. Over 20% of all essential workers have actually contemplated and had suicidal thoughts. 67% of Americans say that the government's response to the crisis is causing stress. 75% of young people aged 18 to 24 said that they have suffered at least one adverse mental health symptom during this COVID crisis. Hopelessness abounds, substance abuse is skyrocketing, and communities of color seem to be hit the hardest in almost all of these mental health categories. We haven't even talked yet about this divisive presidential election that's about to take place that seems to be ripping our country apart and adding further stress to our already anxious lives. Americans are terrified right now. I'm talking to people who are riddled with anxiety, totally overwhelmed, stressed out of their mind, losing sleep, and overall health. This is the first time that I can remember in my lifetime where we are all collectively in this kind of space together. And we might rightly wonder, where is God in all of this? While today's text will not solve our problems, I hope that it causes us to reflect on God's faithful provision in the past and gives us a hope for the future. I want to take a moment, and Dustin's going to put this 
uh, question up on the screen. It says, so what fears and unknowns are real for you today? I wanna use the chat feature to list these out. Only the ones that are appropriate, obvious for public consumption. Um, there are probably some fears or unknowns that you might hold uh, in your hearts and uh, minds. And together we're gonna to take these things that we either list out in the chat um, or the things that we're holding together uh, silently. And we're gonna be lifting these up as a community prayer as we walk through today's story. So go ahead and put some of those things in the chat. And uh, maybe Dustin, if you would do me a favor, and if some things show up in there uh, after I pray, if you wouldn't mind just reading a couple of those out, if there are any. Um, if not, I'll assume that we're, uh, we're doing this silently, which is also okay. I'm gonna pray and you're gonna multitask and go ahead and use the chat. Loving God, we come before you bringing our very real fears and unknowns. Meet us here in word and in spirit and remind us once again of your faithfulness to us and to all generations. Amen. Dustin, do we have any things to summarize in there? We do. Um... From Vincent Semino, school not happening, lack of school connection. Jolene, when will we have a cure? Jeff, lack of, of social connection. Social connection. I don't know what I said. <laughs> but polarization and radicalization from Jeff. Um, Jeff Witten, uh, what happens after the election? Hmm. That's all we got so far. Oh, another one. Good. So many people struggling financially. Yeah, good. And there are probably plenty more that uh, may be more personal. Uh, things that we're holding uh, in our own hearts and minds. And these are going to be just a collective prayer together that we've lifted up. We'll hold these things, we'll hold this space together as we walk through this story in three parts. Here's part one, 1 Kings 17, 1 to 7. Now Elijah the Tishbite, Tishbi of, in Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord the God of Israel lives before whom I stand. There shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. The word of the Lord came to him saying, go from here and turn eastwards. Hide yourself by the Wadi Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the Wadi and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. Then the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the wadi. But after a while, the wadi dried up because there was no rain in the land. Part one, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Now, normally in ancient Near Eastern histories, like many of our own histories, they were written by ruling elites for ruling elites. They almost always support the legitimacy of royal rule, reflecting the history of the rich and powerful, not the poor and oppressed. But one of the reasons I love the biblical histories is because they are often not written by elites for elites. First Kings 17 is about a disenfranchised prophet who courageously stood up to corrupt royal power of King Ahab. 
and a foreign widow who probably represented one of the most marginalized people in all of ancient Israel. God sent the prophet Elijah to King Ahab with a word from the Lord. Non-biblical histories call Ahab one of Israel's most powerful kings, but the biblical witness says this, he did evil in the sight of the Lord, quite literally calling Ahab the worst king in Israel's history. Elijah goes to this evil king and he prophesies that drought was on the way. You might imagine that the power of a corrupt and evil king would not take kindly to this meddling, truth-telling prophet. Drought is the historical frame. With no food, no water, no shelter for himself, and being hunted down by this evil king, God sent Elijah into hiding. This is the start of Elijah's 2020-like year. But God provided in the most unusual way by the, by the banks of the Wadi Cherith, just a stream where there was water to drink and where ravens had been commanded by God to bring him bread and meat in the morning and in the evening. So I'm sure that many of you are thinking this question. So we're going to go ahead and throw it out there. Why does this story all of a sudden get so weird? Why the magical ravens? Because the author wants us to see something of incredible significance. That God provides for our needs in very unusual ways, often completely unexpected ways. So back to the magical birds. According to Jewish law, ravens were forbidden to be eaten because they scavenged on the dead and they ate the eggs of other birds. Being fed by these ravens would have come as quite a shock to the prophet in hiding. It would have been the last thing in the world that he ever expected. And yet this is the way that God provided for him. So we're supposed to ask a question like this. Has God ever provided for your needs in an unusual or an unexpected way? Sadly, this story turns. We learn that God's provision for Elijah eventually ran out. Provisions are never permanent. We see that multiple times in this story. The brook dried up. In 2020, many of us know what it feels like to have our provisions dry up. We know what it feels like to come to the end of our own resources, our own skills or talents or smarts or whatever it may be. Again, without food, without water, without shelter, God directs Elijah to journey 50 to 60 miles on foot. Think about this. From east of the Jordan River to Zarephath. Can you imagine what this must have been like for the prophet? What do you suppose that his physical, mental, emotional state was during this time. I couldn't help but ask a question and wonder, did his faith waver as his provisions ran out? Well, let's find out. Part two of our story, we're going to watch as God will provide in perhaps an even more unusual and unexpected way than the generosity of birds. Here we go. 
Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Go now to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and live there. For I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he set out and went to Zarephath, and he came to the gate of the town. A widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel so that I may drink. As she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of meal in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am now gathering a couple of sticks so that I may go home and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, do not be afraid. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards make something for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of meal will not be emptied and the jug of oil will not fail until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went, she did as Elijah said, so that she as well as he and her whole household ate for many days. The jar of meal was not emptied, neither did the jug of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke to Elijah. Part two, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be asking, what is so unusual or unexpected about the hospitality of a person. Well, here it is. Zarephath resides in Sidon, outside of Israel. A poor, disenfranchised foreigner, she said, your God, a clue, is the one who provides for the hungry and thirsty prophet of God. This may be, in fact, more miraculous even than generous birds. Elijah arrives at the city gates. He audaciously asks this widow for a drink and some bread. Well, evidently she hadn't gotten God's memo. She has nothing for him except this meal of sticks that she's out gathering. Dirt poor and starving to death, Elijah learns that this woman is out and about preparing for her own death and the death of her son. Can you imagine the list of mental health issues that this poor widow was suffering? Moved with compassion, Elijah tells her, do not be afraid. Well, why shouldn't she be afraid? Wouldn't we be terrified if we were in her shoes? But Elijah believed that the living God had something to say about her situation. And when the Lord speaks, things happen. The little oil and meal that she did have would not run out until after the next rains. Until after the crops began to grow again. Another crisis narrowly averted. But note again that eventually these provisions too will run out. As we saw with Cherith Brook, when one crisis ends, another one begins, her son becomes deathly ill. 
In each of these three scenarios, the challenge is becoming more and more serious than the one that came before it. Now, in the interest of time, we're not going to read part three. But Elijah simply lifts the boy up to God, asking for the gift of life for this son of the widow who had welcomed him with such warm hospitality. God rescues the little boy from death. This three-part story reminds me a lot of 2020. When one challenge ends for Elijah, another even more serious one is there to take its place or it just piles on top of the ones before it. It's like a real-life game of whack-a-mole. We question, when will this nightmare that's 2020 be over? I'm sure Elijah was asking a very similar question. Now let's return for a moment to those fears and those unknowns that we either listed in the chat bar or the ones that we're collectively still holding um, as as a prayer, right? Let's return to these things for a moment. And as we hold this space together with our fears and unknowns, we're invited to hear the words, the voice of the prophet that say this to each of us, do not be afraid. Because God may very well have something to say about our situation too. Whatever it is that we're afraid might run out in our lives. God may surprise us as God has a track record for providing for our needs in the most unexpected ways. This story is meant as a message of hope for the despairing. We all might need this kind of hope that God will continue to show up. The prophet gives us this example to contemplate, even emulate, that even when the provisions run out, even in the most challenging of circumstances, Elijah continually responded with courage and with faithfulness. He even fully expected that God would be with him, that somehow, some way, even though he couldn't understand or explain it, that God would again and again and again meet his needs. The widow of Zarephath gives us a glimpse into another aspect of the story that we don't have any time to develop. But she too was in a world of hurt. She didn't have much to offer Elijah, but what she did have, she freely gave. And in her giving away, her provisions never ran out. You see what the writer is saying to us right here. She's this reminder that we always have something to give, something uh, to give and offer to someone who is suffering. We each wait on God today in the midst of our own fears, in the midst of the unknowns of the next couple of days, the challenges that seem to keep piling one on top of the other. But this story helps us to reflect 
on the ways in which God has been faithful to us in the past, because that may be the best indication of God's faithfulness in the future. May it be so again and again. And may we respond with courage to do the right thing. May we respond with faithfulness in relying on God for what we need. And may we respond with the generosity to share the provisions that we do have with others who are hurting, all in the expectation that our provisions will never run out. Amen.